Well, welcome to Tea Time Spiritual Conversations for, with, and about women. I'm your host, Tawana Henderson, and we have another exciting uh, podcast for you on today. Uh, Today's topic is women and higher education, glass ceiling or no. I am so excited about our guest for today. Our guest is Pastor Laurel Bunker. Uh, Pastor Laurel serves as the Associate Vice President of Christian Formation and Church Relations at Bethel University in Minnesota, Minneapolis. Pastor Laurel, welcome to Tea Time. Thank you so much. I'm so glad to be with you, Reverend Twana. It is so exciting to have you here on today, and I'm so looking forward to unpacking this topic uh, and hopefully generating some some interest uh, from ladies who will hear it and others as well. So let's jump right in. Your title um, is Associate Vice President, which is a high position. Uh, Tell us what that entails and and, and your journey to, to getting there. Sure. Well, this is my 13th year at Bethel. And so that allows me to be able to be directly connected for the last 13 years with Converge as well. So it has allowed me to do two primary things. So in my role of Christian formation, I am the campus pastor. So I oversee a staff of four people. I'm the primary preacher in chapel. Uh, I spend a lot of time as well serving trustees and working as the president, a part of the president's executive leadership team. So the 30,000 foot major issues that affect higher education, I sit at that table, uh, do quite a bit of reporting. And then my portion of church relations is really the part where I get to do a lot of work, not just with Converge, but churches across the country and increasingly around the world, where I am not only preaching and teaching about 21st century topics as it relates to higher ed, college students, Uh, high school students, preparation, the shifts and changes in the culture, globalization. But then I also really try to keep Converge in particular informed about Bethel because we are kind of the the Bethel uh, institution that is connected to Converge. And so try to really make sure that pastors are clear and aware of Bethel's mission, vision, and values as it relates to our partnership with Converge, our sister institution. Now, that's a lot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that is a lot. Um, <clears throat> in, in a university context, I'm sure, and this is what I want to really get into, mm-hmm. have you faced any resistance as a woman leader who who possesses uh, substantial authority or, or decision-making power? Because you're doing a whole lot, making a lot of decisions, making a lot of moves. What's that been like? It has been a challenge to be sure. It's been a challenge to be an African-American woman, so a woman of color, and to be ordained and to be in a senior level. So um, all of those things have had their various challenges in the 25 years that I've been ordained, but certainly at Bethel um, and in higher education in particular. I think that uh, part of this is interesting because I'm working on my dissertation and my dissertation, we can talk more about that, but it is particularly about this challenge that there are historical perspectives about Black women, that we're too loud or too much or sassy or all of these things that have come out of um, inappropriate mindsets and um, methodologies that have been a part of trying to keep people in a particular place. And so when you are one of the few persons of color at a senior level position and then a female, 
um, inadvertently, there are times where people start to bring some of their own perspectives back. So I've had people say things like, "Where you're going to preach like a black woman, or you're really sassy, or these kind of things. And I'm thinking, okay, um, would you say that to a man? Would you say that? <laughs> would you, what do you mean sassy? Or um, if I am really trying to drive a point home in a meeting, um, then I'm angry rather than being assertive. And so what happens is it becomes exhausting trying to explain myself. And what I'm trying to do now in the university, and I think across the country, is to increase people's cultural competence, to be mindful of their own um, biases and perspectives, but also to see how inappropriate that is within contexts where we are trying to lead, not to usurp the authority of men, but to lead well alongside men in a 21st century context. Yeah, and that can be a challenge. I mean, you know, without getting in the entire, you know, debate of a complementarian or egalitarian, um, many of us do interpret scripture based on our cultural values. Mm-hmm. Um, how do we break free of those influences? Well, you know, that I spend a lot of time doing that with our students, and certainly. Um, one of the things I tell students is it's not that we disagree. If you are complementarian and that is your heart's passion, excellent. If you're egalitarian, wonderful. Let's talk about that as well. We haven't solved this issue in 100 years or more, and we're not going to solve it by coming to one another and saying you're out of order. You know, women like ourselves were cleaning people's homes for hundreds of years, and our womanhood wasn't considered then. So I'm not sure why now there's this sense of you want to go home and take care of your family. Well, the context for me as an African-American woman is I come from family, a family that has been working all of their lives. My mother was a teacher, my grandmothers. We didn't have the luxury of staying at home. Uh, Many people in our communities were single mothers. We didn't have the luxury of simply doing that. So I think when we look at uh, theological conversations, which are very important. We need to be mindful of the cultural context and experiences that people come from and try to be a bit more thoughtful in our approach. So it's not that um, people have disagreements, it's how we come to those places of disagreement. And if one comes with a sense of automatic judgment, you're cutting yourself off from your sisters and you're lacking, I think, sound wisdom and judgment and asking what perhaps has been her experience that has caused her to come to this point theologically? Yeah, I agree. Totally. And, you know, when we, when we look at the life of Jesus, you know, Jesus always valued women. Always. You know, he he, he valued women. Uh, women were there to serve him. Um, uh, women were used in various aspects. And so um, just looking at our model of Jesus, um, how how does that play into um, the argument of of of, of women being placed um, in a in, in a place of value and um, and it really being part of God's uh, purpose? Sure, absolutely. So I'm working on um, a number of messages where I'm trying to address the various roles of women. Uh, whether it was Lois or Eunice or um, whether we look at Esther, you know, the way that Jesus approached women in a time where women and children were clearly seen as secondary, perhaps tertiary to men. I think it is a, a wonderful thing to see how Jesus addressed women, that 
when others thought that they should be going away or should not be in the presence of he or his disciples or others, they were present. When you look at Mary um, sitting at the feet of Jesus and Martha uh, staying in a more particular role of service, Jesus said, Martha, you're worried about many, many things. Mary has chosen the better thing and it shall not be taken from her. In other words, it is the role of women to be sitting at the feet of Jesus, to be listening. It isn't insignificant that women uh, were the first to go to the tomb. And even when we read that uh, the angels appeared to the women and they went back and they told the 11, it says they didn't believe them. And I don't know if they didn't believe them because they were all exhausted or they didn't believe them because of being women. But it says Peter took off and went and saw that exactly what they said had happened. We see that the Jewish people were saved because of Esther's boldness and that she used the role she was in. She was in a subservient female role, but because of the way she carried herself, she had power to move the heart of the king. And so wherever we find ourselves, I think it is our, not only our demeanor, but knowing who we are as women that matters, knowing that we belong in the king's household, know that we belong to the Lord, know that our voices matter, and knowing that the Lord himself has approved our presence and has called us by name. So I think that however people want to come around that theologically, I think contextually, we need to be mindful of that. Um, and I would say it's really important as well as we, not just for those of us who may be married, but those who are widowed, those who are, when we think about the prophetess Anna, who was married and then she was single and, and working and she was a prophetess who spoke and held Jesus. The very first woman to do that, you know, we are we have never been insignificant in the presence of the Lord and we will never be insignificant in the presence of the Lord. That is so true. That is so true. And so when we look at the whole idea of women in higher education um, and you having served or serving in a capacity of chaplain as well as part of your role, um, which is kind of a non-traditional career choice. Um, it is. <laughs> in a lot of ways. What's been your biggest joy um, with doing that? You know, there's so much um, that has prepared me for this role. So I have a background in nonprofit management uh, and parachurch leadership as well. And so uh, all of that, I think, was was a, an essential part of my being in this place. And really, the Lord opened the door to this because I would never have, with natural eyes, looked at this role and said, oh, perfect, because everyone before me were men. Everyone before me were men with PhDs. Um, but I have also learned within higher ed, your degree is only one portion of what matters in terms of the whole and being able to impact young people. So I think what has been the biggest joy for me has been building community, uh, pastoring young people who look nothing like me, right? Bethel is a traditionally Swedish Baptist institution. And while we now have about 22% students of color, the majority of students uh, still look nothing like me, maybe have never had a person of color as a senior leader in their life, certainly as a pastor in their lives, with the exception maybe of missionary and third culture students. So I think the receptivity of students of color, I mean, of, of primarily white students um, and faculty and staff, just building that Bethel community has been a blessing. Uh, it has been a blessing to get to be in converged churches to see the breadth and the depth of what God is doing in Converge, the diversity in Converge, the what he's doing in the Timothy Project, what he's doing in our missionaries. It, 
it is uh, the partnership that we have with Converge has opened a whole nother world to me. It's allowed me to travel to other parts of the world and see what God is doing globally. Um, and then to bring that back to a local context and to try to apply some of that broader global learning to the local context, to say to people in my own community, um, God is moving in and through us. You know, the church is not just... Um, is not just somewhere else. The church is among us. The church is among God's people. The church is among every tribe and tongue. So the diversity of what God has allowed me to see and experience and speak to in the lives of people has been probably my greatest joy. And that's that's got to be amazing just to be able to, to witness all of that, to be able to have those impacts as well um, is huge. Um, but I'm sure there also are some disappointments. Oh, 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 yes. <laughs> Quite a few. <laughs> Can you share just one of the disappointments as well? You know, from the beginning, absolutely. I think from the beginning, one of the challenges, again, it kind of harkens back to one of our previous conversation points so far, has been the um, the expectations that people have um, that... Uh, feeling almost like my personhood is a liability. There have been times where I have felt like the community of color has been harder on me, um, that I should have come and I should have been um, driving justice initiatives. And when I haven't done that, I'm not um, who I ought to be as a Black woman. That's been really painful and hard to feel as though um, others have an agenda for my life that is supposed to supersede or usurp God's plan for my life that I'm not more um, frustrated or disappointed or driven by certain political issues, but instead I'm really driven by the love of Jesus. That's been really difficult to try to live between that. And then on that other side, um, to have my personhood be the first thing that people talk about, particularly within predominantly white contexts. Oh, she's Black. She's female. She must be this. She must vote this way. She must think this way. She must be a social justice person. Rather than ever talking to me, there are assumptions about my personhood because people are being so fed by the culture, by the media, that they're not taking the time to do the hard work of getting to know me. And so I oftentimes have felt very boomeranged um, between that. I guess a part of that as well would be as I'm trying to develop students as a whole within the chapel to talk about um, 21st century issues. So helping all of my students to understand contextualization, globalization. It has been really hard to feel as though talking about something from a cultural or ethnic or racial perspective as seen constantly as inflammatory. It is a constant problem um, for people. It's not true Bible. And so those things become really challenging um, to know how to navigate um, and, um, when, when do I just accept the fact that some people are going to be angry and probably call the president, <laughs> um, and hope that the president or the trustees know enough about me to say, we agree with her, even if this is a disgruntled person. So that's a, that's a challenging thing to feel as though who I am, as much as I try to balance loving all people that. Um, when I try to do something specifically, it's either too much for one or not enough for another. Yeah. And when we walk through those challenges and those various um, things that we go through, um, you know, we really don't walk through those things alone. Um, mm -hmm. Are there um, women 
who are who've been ministerial role models in your life who've helped you to navigate through some of those things? Mm. Well, I'm grateful that I talked to my mama and that I still have my mom in my life. She's 87. My parents still live in the same house that I was born and raised in. They live one street over and six blocks down. So I talk to my mother (laughs) daily. Um, And I'm grateful for the women who came before her. Um, My great aunt, uh, Margaret, who died at 104, um, was the matriarch of our family. I learned a great deal about, about, wisdom and strength and determination from her. Uh, There are younger women today. um, I'm grateful for the relationship that I've been able to have um, sporadically with Reverend Dr. Bernice King. Um, She has been a gift to me. We brought her to Bethel in 2000, I believe in 15, with the 50th anniversary of when uh, uh, Martin Luther King Jr. was to have come to Bethel at the invitation um, of Dr. Carl Lundquist mm-hmm. um, and was unable to come because of what was happening in Atlanta. But she has um, remained someone that I have watched because she uh, loves the Lord, but she's also a person that is dealing with increasingly um, difficult challenges and yet always keeps a nonviolent justice resistance focus, which was of her father. And so she encourages me deeply um, and there are others, there are others like yourself or, um, uh, you know, Trina Jenkins, others who have been women who have given space to me to help me to know that, uh, that you're praying for me. The, that's been really helpful for me. Yeah. Yeah. It's so important to have those women who are over us. Um, and then also those women who are, that we can lead alone. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure you have um, such a wonderful opportunity as well to mentor um, young women. Um, talk to us about that. Just your opportunity to be able to mentor women, particularly in the field of academia. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. I've been, I have been mentoring women um, for quite some time, but really deeply for the last decade and they stretch anywhere from kind of junior high, high school young women to women who are of my same age and are navigating seminary for the first time or are wondering, can I do a doctorate or are um, trying to discern what God is saying to them? A lot of that mentoring does come at Bethel with the students that I work with who are just hungry to find women who are their mother's age or older who can help them to know that in whatever season of challenge or difficulty, this too shall pass. And so it has just been an honor to be invited into the lives of women and um, to be uh, vulnerable, but also just really to listen. Uh, I really want to encourage our listeners that there are this college age generation and younger they really are looking for women to walk with them, to teach them simple things, home economics, crocheting, cooking a meal, uh, how to balance being a leader and working and being a spouse, how to pray for your husband. Is that an antiquated idea? What if he doesn't come? Um, What is my role in the church? Women have so many questions. Um, And and I think there's a lot who are considering what ministry looks like, particularly if they were raised in contexts where women um, 
are not to lead or ought not lead within pastoral roles. They're really struggling with ways of reading the scripture in a 21st century context and the calls on their hearts and what they have traditionally been raised in. So um, it's an honor to sit with women over coffee and create a space for them to pour out their hearts. And more and more and more women from all different walks of life, stay-at-home mothers, corporate women, pastors' wives, uh, widowed women, uh, international women, they're all looking for, really for us as women to step up and stand together and love one another well. Because sometimes as women, we can be our own worst critics yeah, and critics of one another. Yeah, because we really are our sister's keeper. Uh, and when you talk about the various roles, you know, so many of us uh, wear so many different hats. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm sure you're no different. What are some of the life hats that you find yourself having to balance, uh, just like every other woman out here? Sure. Well, blessed and honored to be married for 24 years um, in August to my husband, Joshua. And so, um, thank you. So, balancing what that means. Um, I do love to have a beautiful home and to be domestic and to cook and bake and, you know, have a beautiful home like anyone else. And so balancing time to really invest in my marriage is always really important. I have a 19 year old and a 17 year old, both young women. And I know that I am a primary role model for them in terms of how am I balancing those things. And so I am a a mama to those girls. And then a mom often to a lot of Bethel students and a lot of students who are my youth ministry kids. So I've been at this for in some form, even if I was working in nonprofits, I was, I've always been a pastor. And so was oftentimes running a youth or young adult program at the same time that I was working somewhere else. And so I've got a lot of now 20 somethings, 30 somethings who are married or are single or are parenting. And so I am a mom to those kids. I'm increasing a mom to international students, students in Kenya and in, um, in parts of, uh, Europe and young people who aren't so concerned about the ethnicity of somebody in other parts of the world. They're not as concerned about that. What they're looking for is an anointing on your life. Can you speak to the Holy Spirit and tell me what yeah. thus saith the Lord? These kids are not soft. They yeah. want to know what God is saying. So I'm increasingly mentoring, pastoring, mothering, being a wife, Uh, pastoring in my church. And then I do a lot of national and international public speaking. So I speak at a lot of conferences. I write for the Billy Graham Association. Um, I'll be a part of a women's Lausanne movement. I speak at a lot of Christian colleges. Um, So, and then I'm a doctoral student. I'm in all but dissertation. I'm trying to finish my dissertation. So um, there's been a lot of things that I have balanced, but all of that, the amount of time I give to that is all about, Lord, show me what your word says and how I keep first things first, right? My intimacy with the Lord, my intimacy with my spouse, and then really seeking the Lord about where my yeses are from there. Yeah. And that is so important and so difficult. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> so difficult. So what's next for Pastor Laurel Bunker? Um, you've got so many things that are going on now, but um, what what's the next Um that you hear the Lord saying. Wow. Well, certainly finishing this dissertation is going to be important for me. 
Um, I am intending to write uh, the the title of the dissertation is Black Women in Christian uh, Spaces, Race, Gender, Religion, and the Challenge of Leadership. So I'll be talking a lot about the balance of those things, interviewing uh, about 10 senior level African-American women in Christian colleges to find out why they remain. Uh, why do we stay when the air gets much thinner and it gets more complicated the higher we are in those roles? Um, so finishing that's going to be important. Um, I, I do wonder what's next for me. I wonder if the Lord will have me um, stay and remain at Bethel um, for quite a few more years. Um, we've got a new president coming in, and so I don't know what his vision will be. But I do believe that I will continue to be called to the church and called to the world to preach the gospel, to speak to and minister and encourage women to find their place in the kingdom, whatever that may be, and to be alert and aware because the church is changing rapidly. Um, we are becoming a more global society, right? By 2045, minorities will not be minorities any longer in the United States of America. Uh, for some people, that's an exciting idea. For others, it is a terrifying proposition. And so speaking to that and removing some of the stigmas and assumptions about persons and perceptions of persons of color. Uh, I think we'll continue to see large waves of people coming from all parts of the world. Uh, we're going to have to deal with the nuns, the unchurched, those who are not claiming anything. How are we looking uniquely at continuing to reach people? How will we use technology as a part of that outreach? And how will we prepare ourselves for the influx of young people men and women coming out of the streets, those who have been addicted, those who have dealt with prostitution, um, young women who have been trafficked, the, the battles are going to become in, more intense before Christ returns. And so I intend to be on that front line as long as the Lord will have me preaching and teaching, laying hands on the sick, delivering and speaking freedom to those who are captive. And, um, and that's my heart's desire is to always be a faithful and humble servant of the Lord in his church and wherever else the Lord would have me be. Yeah. Well, let me say that you are def definitely a gift to the body of Christ. Um, there are women who are listening today um, and they're trying to determine, you know, do I... Um, do I seek higher education? Do I seek that next um, level, that next level of elevation? And, um, you know, how do I really um, know to take that yes and all these different things? Um, can you just pray for those women on today that that God would just really speak to them and just give them clarity and and that they wouldn't have fear about um, all that he has um, in store for them. Abs absolutely. And let me just say quickly that there's so many different ways of entering into higher education. Everything is not a four-year degree like it used to be. It may be starting out with one class. It may be a community college. Um, it, it, and you may have been years away from school, but it, there, people are here to help. Yeah. People are here to help. Absolutely. So, Father, we do pray for our sisters who are in this listening audience. We pray for those who um, may be young women sitting with their moms or aunts or grandmothers or um, pastor's wife or pastor and wondering, gosh, do, do I, is higher education still worth it? it? Should I should I step into it? Lord, I pray that you would make their paths straight. Uh, I pray that you would give them 
wisdom and understanding as to where to start and how to start and what kind of institution to start in. Is it tech and trade? Is it a four-year? Is it a two-year program? Is it a an adult program? Is it a traditional four-year program? Um, Lord, there are so many ways of, of seeing higher education as a benefit and a value. And Lord, I thank you that you place God's people, whether it's in Christian higher ed or in secular institutions, God's people are everywhere. And you will put your people in the presence of places and people who are there to help them see their dreams realized. So Lord, we pray that they would not be given to a spirit of fear, but really embrace that power, love, and a sound mind that you've given them and help them step forward with boldness, knowing that you are able to take them from faith to faith and glory to glory. And that includes advanced higher education. We need not be fearful of higher education. We only need to embrace the promises that you are faithful and that you will use every instrument, including higher education, to help us become the women that you would have us to be. So we thank you for it, Lord, and the privilege of being your children. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Well, Pastor Laurel Bunker, thank you. Thank you so much for joining us today on Tea Time. It has truly been a pleasure. It's been a blessing. Thank you for having me. And to all of our listeners, I look forward to connecting with you the next time. Uh, Right here, be blessed of the Lord.